kids. Hi, kids. This is Candy Coated Razor Blades. I'm your host, Bob, the uh, the bar of soap that is used to wash out Richie Tozier's mouth. And here are my co-hosts, Alex and Andy. Introduce yourselves, guys. I'm Andy, and I am the... I will finish this intro in the next podcast. Uh, <laughs> and I'm Alex, and I totally don't have a friend who decided last night that he was going to clone himself and have sex with the clones dressed in clown makeup. I'm scared now. You I know really, him. I do. Strangely aroused. I, well, also that, and that's why I'm scared. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, what we're going to do today is a little different. We're not actually going to talk about any news. We're just going to talk about two things today. Our, our uh, delicious chocolate coating is going to be the preview of Insidious 4. And then we're going to talk about it. Oh my God, we really are a Milky Way today. We are! Except not the caramel. Well, no, we're three musketeers because there's no caramel. Mm. Milky Ways are just chocolate coating and fluff. That's the no, three musketeers. That's the three musketeers. Milky Way has Milky caramel. Milky Way has caramel inside. And nougat. Whereas the three musketeers has this like whipped stuff that's not even really nougat. Yeah. We have to like buy candy bars for this podcast and start eating them so we have things to reference. Yeah, but I have this thing against pancreatitis. So No, our diabetes is not on the podcast. <laughs> we cannot make the listeners suffer because of our we genetic life choices. Well, once we start actually making public appearances and shit, we can just hand out candy. How's that? Yeah, because that's how that's what you do with candy is hand it out. I've met you. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, you're right. I'm I'm a pig. It's awful. I'm having a horrified mental image that I don't want to share. <laughs> be like it'd be like one of those t-shirt. You've seen the t-shirt cannons that they have at like parades and stuff. So this should be like a candy cannon, except that I'm like I want a candy cannon. Except that because I've seen I've because I've seen like Kuso this week, so I'm in a really weird space. Like I, I feel it. like the candy cannon is attached to someone's ass, and they're just like blasting candy I out want of their a anus candy cannon into the now. crowd into the adoring. It's candy like the crowd. the Swiss Army Man version of a candy cannon. It really is. It's just kind of and like fucking like red hots just. Ew, red hot. That candy. just sounds burning. It does sound burning. Don't, don't judge me for my. It should at least be M and M. Don't kink shame. You, you don't want to put. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> now that we've got the candy discussion out of the way, which never out of the way. will never be out of the way because we will end up talking about candy at every fucking opportunity. You will never be clean. Oh, uh, we will never be clean. Not even with a fucking silkwood shower. Nope. Anyway, you have to get all of your friends to help clean out your bathroom unclean. before it'll really be properly unclean uh, except candy out out damn chocolate spot <laughs> oh that's never coming out a club soda maybe out damn dots <laughs> dots are delicious don't you dare speak a horrible are we thing about, about dipping dots because no just dots they're like little jujubes oh. they don't taste like anything they don't which is okay because they they're pure sugar like and they're already getting stuck to your teeth forever <laughs> i actually really like um Juji fruits, which are the ones that will stick to your teeth and yank out fillings like nobody's business. But anyway, it's like gummy bears before, you know, gummy got soft. Gummy bears. Bouncing here and there and everywhere. High adventure that's beyond compare. They are the gummy bears. Okay, I'm done. Anyway, Insidious 4, what do you think? So the so the deal with Insidious Four, I guess, according to the trailer, we all know Lin Shay's character is this medium who goes around helping people with the Beyond or whatever the fuck she's calling it. And I think I knocked two, my mind. The further, the further, the further. Oh, oh my god! No, so oh. Lin Shay, after she um, had to quit her position at the 
high school in um, Springfield, Ohio, <laughs> after those um, murders of children in their sleep, uh, she went on to become a medium. Where's your hall pass, Nancy? <laughs> and and after being a medium, you know, she's I adore Lin Shay. She, she gets significantly older in every movie. Like she, if you go back yeah. and just watch the progression of her jowls down, she didn't even look that successive... old in two thousand one Maniacs. She didn't look that old in Insidious One. Yeah, what's yeah. his name? Who became Ed Warren? What is his name? Oh, he was that dude from Watchmen. Yes, he was the Night Owl in Watch. He's super cute. I like him. Patrick. Warburton? No. No. no that's Patrick. Patrick. No. Yeah. Patrick Warburton. I just, I have a horrible crush on Patrick Warburton, so every mm. time he comes up, I just... I can't, no, I'm... I'm oh, no. Things rise. I'm there. Pa- Pat- Patrick Warburton, again, as long as I have a face, that man will have a place to sit. <laughs> anyway. Um, you don't, you never have to justify Patrick Warburton. No. no it's fine. Never. Um, never. <laughs> yeah, but I like... I, Insidious 1 is good. It's all about the child is possessed, and you have the red-faced demon that's all... It looks like one of the liquors from the Resident Evil franchise. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I really enjoyed that one. And then in two, you have the transgendered nun. Was she a nun or was she the? the oh no, black dress, black, black wedding dress. dress with the veil. Transgender and... black wedding dress. Um, yeah. which was weird, uh, but it was still fairly good. I haven't seen three. I mean, it's, it's a it's a delightful message against child abuse. It's like, oh look, if you abuse your child, they're going to turn out to be an angry ghost. Oh, holy shit. Okay, so this is a total digression. I went to look up the Watchmen IMDb page to find out the name of the Patrick that we were seeking, which, by the way, Patrick Wilson. Thank you. Wilson. And I got really fucking distracted because, like, fucking Matt Frewer is A in that movie. Matt Frewer being the guy who did Max Headroom in the 80s. Look at this fucking picture, dude. Oh, you mean that he looks like death now? He's fucking hot as shit. Dude, he's fucking... Ooh, Matt Frewer with a daddy beard. No, shit, look at this guy. Fuck. I can't do, live with that mustache. Totally. Oh, I can live all up in that mustache. <laughs> uh, well, we, we are Paganophiles here. Who is he in, um, in Watchmen? He was the one that um, Rorschach beat up. Uh, Moloch. Moloch. Oh. He yeah. is the former villain that Rorschach beat up. He has a terrible role in that film. No, he's, he doesn't get he good He does roles. not look anything like that. In that R- movie. Remember no. that he did that stupid made-for-TV Generation X bullshit, too. That only aired once, and Fox still wants us to forget it. I just remember that I after... After computer. after Max Headroom went had like long since outlived its sell by date, he got a, he he did like a talk show version of Max Headroom on like Showtime. Oh my God. <laughs> it was so bad. Oh, when they did something, they brought Max Headroom back for something last year. What was it? Like he he, he it had like, to have been a commercial for something. No, it was a movie. Maybe was it, it was um was Ready Player One. Spendables movie. That hasn't come out yet. No, it hasn't. Mm, hang on. <laughs> you can continue discussing Insidious. I'll find it. Do we have to? We could just keep talking about this. No, but Andy, you haven't seen any of these movies. No, I've not. Have you seen any James Wan movies? Um, he did. You saw Saw. I have seen Saw. So he did that. And he did that Fast and the Furious movie, which I'm sure you haven't seen. No, no. Um, he did. He, I thought Conjuring? that was. I thought that was James Lin. No, no, Justin Lin. No, Juan did um, oh. one Fast and the Furious movie because okay. he, that was when he admitted that he hated horror and he never wanted to be a horror movie director. <laughs> Watching then, this trailer, I believe it. Well, and then he did Fast and the Furious and it did fine, but he has now returned to horror because that's, that's what's making all the money right now with the micro budgets and... How many pools does one man need? Well... So oh, it was... Pixels. That's why I blocked it out of my that memory. Is, of course, why you blocked it out of your memory because I have uh, not seen that. Oh, oh my god, god, I've not seen that. 
don't. I, I really wanted to don't. see the movie that I hoped that was going to be. Yeah. I've seen the short. The short is amazing. The short was fun. The Adam Sandler abortion? No. No. Yeah. No. No. I don't. I... I only moderately enjoyed Adam Sandler back in the day, so I have no patience for him now. Oh, the man baby can go the fuck away. Anyway, going back to Insidious, I this trailer was, I mean, it's your standard horror movie trailer now. It's got the wah, wah, wah sounds. And the, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The only thing that I really kind of am looking forward to in the movie, and this literally is going to be like a two second shot. Uh, is they've got this uh, really awesome model. She's beautiful, and I love her. Her, her name is Melanie Gatos. Uh, she has what's called ecto- she's a progeria. No, it's uh, ectodermal dysplasia. Oh, it's a it's genetic order that can interfere with the proper growth of the hair, nails, teeth, skin, and glands. But she's uh, she gets uh, into the the super stylized avant garde modeling, and she's beautiful, mm. beautiful. She was actually really cool. There was a glimpse of her in the trailer, and it was. Like yeah. for a minute, I was like, oh, "That's neat." When Lin yeah. Jay has to go deeper, I'm just like, "One of deeper us, into the further." One of us. Yeah, she Google totally needs gobble. to go. One of us, yeah. Google one of us. gobble. But no, it's it's um, just the fact that they're including her and, and making her, you know, making her this star that she should be is just amazing. Yeah, it. I mean, we have to see the movie. She, she might get those two seconds and never be seen again. Right. And that's what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah. I'd like to. But she should know, be in more movies, though. She is really interesting. She should. She should. I, I think the appropriate thing to say is she should probably be in non-horror movies and get real parts. Yes. Yes. But anyway, I, I love her. And, and she made that trailer for me. But ultimately, I'm like, do I really need another Insidious movie? But oh no, this time it's personal. It's in Lin Shay's family's house. I don't care. Well, I don't care. My my favorite thing is I really like the keys. It makes me just really wish that they would just make the lock and key movie oh, or miniseries or something. That. So what is uh, what is the just why am I asking this? What 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 is like is the is the guy with keys for hands is he a thing? Is he like in all the movies? No, no, no. he's just this movie. He's this okay. movie. Every so the first movie and the second movie mashed together. The third movie was um, like a prequel where Lynn Shay was on her own. Because mm-hmm. the first and second movie have the same family with Patrick Wilson as the father and there's a little boy who gets possessed in the first movie and then you find out that he was possessed because Patrick Wilson's character is also spiritually sensitive and he was possessed by this transgendered um nun not nun transgender black wedding dress ghost who liked to abuse children and then the, the third one was supposed to be lynn shay's early adventures where she helped some random family but it was obviously they were like texting so it wasn't that much earlier but i, I I'm, yeah. I'm gonna come clean i really basically just after about the seventh word in that entire spiel i basically was just sitting here thinking about patrick warburton that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> That's, that is always acceptable. Yeah. <laughs> and they they are what they are. I think the problem with the Insidious movies is when you have Insidious and you have The Conjuring, which are like DP'd the same way yeah. and look the same. Okay, and, just for clarification, DP as in director of photography, not what? Not double penetration. Just checking. Director of photography, not double penetration. Just checking. Let's move on. 
We broke Alex. Yay! Win. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah. So they look the same. They're very similar. They use slightly different terms. They are very um, similar products. Yes. Yeah. So it's it's weird, and they all we always come out near each other. Yeah. It it, it just it, those those two series look too much the same. It's like can, can you maybe get another stylist? Well, because it's this it's James Wan. It is. He does both of them. I know, and I'm like James, you've become a one trick pony. Stop. Well, D- discover that, something new. That Fast and the Furious movie was much differently lit. Oh yeah, and that's about it. There were cars. Oh, cars! Yay! I, I, RuPaul likes cars. RuPaul is RuPaul, and she's allowed to do what she wants. She's a rich bitch. <laughs> she is. I, mean, a rich I love bitch RuPaul. Fuck. We do. We she, do. She has a lot of cars. She has like fifty cars. It's a thing. Yeah. Well, she also you know lives on a ranch somewhere and can just drive them wherever. Oklahoma. She has a truck for her ranch. She doesn't mm-hmm. drive her muscle cars outside of LA. Yeah. And her apartment in New York, she just uses the subway. Well, yeah. Cause, like a real New Yorker. Right. And he's lost again. And he is lost again. Okay. He just doesn't care. He's in the further. <laughs> no, he's just still distracted by Patrick Warburton. Speaking of child abuse. I'm just sitting over here floating. <laughs> oh, floating. We all float down here. All right. All right. Oh. And with that. We're, there's no segue at all. You know how this works. We're going to start talking about it now. What did we think, kids? Three segues. So, <laughs> I know. Um, I think the important place to start is our own experience with this information. Um, do you want to read off the... Yes. Deets. So, uh, at, as we know, the story of it is going to be a group of bullied kids that band together when a monster taking the appearance of a clown begins hunting children. This is, of course, a really stupid and shallow synopsis written by someone who's never actually read the book. But we got director Andy Machete, who is also the director of Mama, and he's amazing, and I'm really glad that Guillermo del Toro found him. Uh, written by Chase Palmer, Carrie Fukunaga, Gary Doberman, and based on the novel written by Stephen King. Uh, starring Jaden Lieberer, Jeremy Ray Taylor, Sophia Lillis, who's wonderful. Uh, Finn Wolfhard. Uh, chosen, chosen Jacobs. Someone named their child Chosen. Someone named their child Finn Wolfhard. I know. Yeah, no, Chosen is way better than Cho- uh, yeah. Jack Dylan Grazer, Wyatt Olaf, and Bill Skarsgård. So, all right. So, um, it. it. We're going to spoil the fuck out of this, kids. So, this is where if you need to turn it off, turn it off if you haven't seen it. Um, but of course, the book is 30 fucking years old. So, there's no fucking excuse. The, the TV miniseries is 30 fucking years old. There's no fucking excuse. You don't get to bitch about spoilers because the, oh God, the source material that. is 30 oh, years Christ, old. No, the miniseries <laughs> is literally 27 <laughs> years old. That was the point. God yeah. damn it. That was the point. Um, so, fuck you, meta marketing. So one of the things that has changed, and we have to get into this first, uh, is that the movie has been brought more current. This, this version, instead of taking place in the 50s, takes place in 1988 and 89, which, of course, is, you know, this year is 27 years after the release of the miniseries It. So uh, that was intentional. That was a, a de- very deliberate move on the part of Andy Machete, which is okay because I don't mind bringing it a little more current. I... My problem is I don't I don't feel like they brought it more current because the 
the look, I mean, they, they're dressing in obviously 80s clothes and they are th- adding in all these little 80s references of new kids on the block. And, oh, and Lethal and, Weapon 2. Lethal Weapon 2 and Batman yeah. and Elm Street 5, yeah. all of which Gremlins. are du- every last one of which are WB slash mm-hmm. New Line properties. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Fuck of you. course. And so they, there's all of these little, little nods to be like, hey, everybody, it's the 80s. But at the same time, these five kids are going swimming at the quarry in their underwear. Like that's not an 80, that's a fifties thing. It actually still is an eighties thing because I'm from Maine and people still do that. Jesus Christ. It just, it, so many, (laughs) so much of their behavior really still felt fifties. And a lot of their, like the way that the stuff that they, um, well, one of the things about that, and and I know that you're concerned about it, but it being in a semi rural town in Maine, those things do still happen that, you know, we, we have that still almost, you know, I, I, don't quite need to lock my door at night because I'm in a small town and nothing bad is going to happen to me. I think so. the true, this doesn't feel like the eighties is we still have Stephen King's greaser villains. We do. Yeah, we do. The 50s greaser villains. And yeah. you just can't escape Stephen King and his obsession with the greaser villains. You can't. There are a lot really of, can't. there are a lot of King tropes in this. Movie. Only, only in, only in this one, it wasn't, it wasn't a greaser villain. It was a mullet villain. Because it was updated to but the 80s. He, but yeah, but, he but was still. Like, he, if he, if you'd put a leather jacket on him and give him a better haircut, like yeah. he would have acted and done the same. Yeah. Like guys with mullets in rural Maine weren't, you know, switchblading up their cronies in the yeah, same, oh my God. Anyway, no, <laughs> they weren't actually killing people. So the, I, the, the important place <laughs> to start with it is where we are with the source material. Right. So um, the source material uh, is, you know, 11, uh, 1100 pages long. There's so much to consider when and, you're reading the novel. And you've read the novel. Yes, I read the, I've read the novel many, 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 many times, which and, uh, and we're, we'll discuss the novel and we'll talk some about the differences between the novel. But they are two very different animals. And I appreciated it, actually, because the changes that were made between the novel and this movie are smart. You know, they, they condensed a lot of things. They got rid of a lot of things, particularly the underage child sewer orgy. I mean, um, that still happened. It was just off screen. So <laughs> you've you've read the book a lot and yeah. you've seen the miniseries. Yes. So you are the most well acquainted with it. Yes. Of the three of us. Yeah. I have listened to half of it on audiobook and then it did that thing where like it jumped way ahead and I couldn't find where I was. Ooh. So I haven't gone back yet. But I've seen the miniseries many times and I am a huge Stephen King fan outside of the fact that I've never tackled the behemoth of the book. Right. Uh, right. Whereas I have, I had not seen the miniseries Aren't we all just surprised by that <laughs> little revelation? And although I have read a lot of Stephen King, I did not ever get around to reading it. So this was, uh, apart from like the pop culture of like, we all float Georgie and Tim Curry as Pennywise, which the internet has been in love with for years. I didn't really have any experience of it whatsoever before going into the movie. Right. So um, I remember reading it when it came out. I was in my you know mid to late teens. Um, and it just seemed like this, magnum opus it's it, because and of course being the bullied the kid in stand school, had already come out though yeah but i couldn't get into the stand at that age but in but it well hang on well at that age i couldn't get i couldn't get the scope of the stand i had it, it was when i was an adult later on that I, actually, I, I was able to cope with it i read the stand later on but i was i started reading the stand when i was like lying on the couch unable to move with 102 degree flu i thought yeah. i was gonna die <laughs> Aww. But but it, but see here's the yeah. thing about it the the thing with it when I was reading it as a teenager was I was identifying with those kids 
because I war I was those kids. I was the bullied kid in school. I you know, be- and that's what brought me into that book, and that's what kept me interested in that book. So the fact that it was dealing with very real childhood fears in this fantastic way, and then bringing those fears into adulthood, making making us very painfully aware that our fears don't go away, you know, from childhood to adulthood. Just reading all of that, it, it, it was just this, it was massive. It felt real to almost, you know, reading it at that age, being who I was and identifying with those characters. It was very deep to me. It, and, and I, a lot of people consider it one of, one of King's best works besides the stand. And I agree with them, you know, other than some of the questionable material, eh, questionable material, like said underage child, see orgy. And like, and, and he's come out and said, you know, he would never write that today. And he said, it was just, it was a different environment then. Yeah. Yeah, not like a child sex orgy was more acceptable then than it is now because it still wasn't acceptable, but that it was just, it it wasn't as shocking that kids, because kids still do that to this day. They're still, you know, they were doing it then. They would still do it today. I actually read a whole article about what the gay community should view as the more shocking thing that happens yep. in the book. And do you know anything about I've, this? I've read, I've read my wiki homework. Um, and yeah, and it's, that was one of the things that jumped out at me I uh, for two reasons, actually. Yeah. Uh, one of them is, well, actually I think there's, there's two spots. There's uh, one where one of um, Christ, it's uh, the names are escaping me. I apologize. Someone supply one for me. If you would. Richie, Billy, no, Eddie. Well, the, I was Beverly. actually thinking of the uh, the greaser dude and like his uh, one of his buddies who gives him a hand job and then oh Patrick Coxeter yeah yeah and then tries to give him a blow job and then yeah. he's like whoa no that's just too much yeah they they left that out in the book that yeah. was very detailed I mean they because yeah. the the character of Patrick Coxeter uh, in the book and they they really glossed over this he was actually the true psychopath out of that group. He was basically going to be a serial killer once, you know, once he reached adulthood. It, like a gay serial you know, killer trope. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah. Um, you know, as opposed to Bowers, who was just like a sociopath. He he just had no connection to reality. Whereas Patrick Hoxetter was like, no one else is real. I can do whatever the fuck they, whatever the fuck I want to them. Uh, I, they did condense him a lot and they got rid of him early because he would have been problematic to deal with later. That was one of those changes that, that they had to make to the script to make it more accessible to today's audience. The other, uh, the other big uh, gay subtext scene that again, I went wiki surfing um, Mm -hmm. is the scene with Eddie and the leper. Yep. When the leper is like this homeless guy who tries in the movie, he just like, lurches at Eddie and terrifies him. Right. Um, In the book, he's like, I'll suck your dick for a dime. Okay. And here's the problem (laughs) with that. I have read fucking different seasons and Mm -hmm. that exact same fucking character is an apt pupil before getting his head bashed in by Todd with a fucking hammer. He does that a lot. Yeah. So like, it's really hard to be like, well, you know, it was a different time. You know, you put this shit in your books an awful fucking lot, Mr. King. And you're missing the bad one. Oh, is there, there's a worse one. There there is at the very beginning of the book. Uh, there is what well, before we get into the kids and the flashbacks that tell their story. Right. Uh, there's the murder of Adrian Mellon, who is that's right. Yeah, he okay. he's this flamboyant gay character who is in a gay uh, relationship. Is in a gay relationship, and he's very happy. And but unfortunately, 
uh, in you know standard Hollywood style because that's a you know how it works. Uh, he is gay bashed and pushed off a bridge and eaten by Pennywise. Mm-hmm. So that's the with, start of the current well, with the he's yeah. eaten by Pennywise while his partner is watching. Yep, and everyone is refusing to help him. Yeah, everyone's refusing to help him, and the guys that pushed him off the bridge saw it too, and they're trying to tell the story to the cops, and no one's believing them. So it, it's it's very poignant. Uh, from what I understand, they are leaving it in the second half. Are they when when they put it in? Which I'm I'm actually okay with. No, I mean it, it's in the book. You can't, I you know it. But but here's the thing: when King wrote it, the the narrative around adrian himself and his partner was very positive it was the people that were attacking him that was the negative part yes but but it's it is an unnecessary piece of violence it is it is also playing directly into that trope where gay people in in movies horror movies literature whatever in mainstream uh pop culture are fit to be either victims or um villains right and we're either you know the rope or we're we're killed on the off the side of exactly the bridge. exactly and, and I understand that and mm-hmm. I don't care for that trope either. However, because it's actually poignant in today's society because we're having so much more violence towards black people, towards gays, toward towards transgender individuals. Speaking not to derail, but speaking of um, violence toward black people and the fact that this this movie and i mean king's literature in general is very retrograde it's very nostalgic it is well if if you like it it's nostalgic if you find it problematic it's retrograde yeah i'm somewhere in the middle but um i thought it was really problematic because they set mike mike is a a problematic character for me because they set him up in the beginning of the movie his grandfather gives him this incredible speech about being the one you know holding the bolt gun Uh uh-huh which is really good. It's a great speech. And then Mike disappears. And the only thing that Mike really contributes in the movie is it's the bolt gun. He brings a bolt gun. And he and he gets into That's a fight. That's something they've changed. And he gets into a fight with Mullet Boy and spoilers, kills him and shows no remorse for this action. He's but, not given any any response to it at all other than, hey guys, I'm okay. And that is something that I felt was kind of retrograde. Like he was a character well, that here's the thing that needed a- I, Andy. Needed did King didn't write that. Did the lamb stop screaming, Andy? <laughs> nah, <laughs> nah. So, uh, and and when we're talking about the changes made to the book, <clears throat> uh, between the book and this movie, like I said, there was a lot. Do not go into this movie expecting to see the same plot and the same actions that happened in the book because. They, they've taken Ben, who's the, the new kid, uh, and rather than calling him the fat kid, which is what he was in the book, um, he's the new kid. They made him the bookworm. They made him the one that finds out the history of Derry. They made him, you know, the historian of the group. When in the book, it's Michael. That it's actually, the black kid. that makes it oh, worse. It? So yeah. it's like, oh, well, the, okay. So the black kid was actually the one who was very studious and, and, yeah. and drives so much of the action. And, and, and I, now it's like, well, we can't have that. Yeah, because because in the book, Mike is the one that's calling the adults back yeah. to Derry to to deal with the problem. Oh yeah, because again. he's the one who's still yes, yeah. I remember that. Which now. is so frustrating because I did love I loved the character of Ben, uh, Ben from Sosh. Mm-hmm. I fucking loved Ben. <laughs> I thought he was, and you know, 
spoiler, I was not really enthusiastic about this movie, but I really liked certain things, and Ben was really one of those ben things. Ben was great. I actually, for what it's worth, I really enjoyed his unrequited love. Yeah. That I, was that was a big part of the that, book. And that was well played. You know, I usually hate um, unnecessary romance. Like, yeah. this is a movie about a killer clown who's murdering children. We don't need a romance between preteens. Right. But I really liked his, like, unrequited love and the way it progressed through the movie. And yeah. I enjoyed that they gave, what's her name? Bev? Beverly. Beverly Agency. They didn't. They gave her some agency. They where gave her she, some. Where, well, they mm. gave her more than just... I'm a woman, you know, swayed by whoever can woo me, but they gave her a moment to realize it wasn't Bill yeah. who gave her the note and mm -hmm. still choose him. Yeah. And then a moment to realize that it was Ben and think about choosing him and realizing that, no, she still kind of chooses Bill. Yeah. Which is really weird because Bev and Ben have instant chemistry they, really, they do this much very better couple. instant on screen i'm not even talking about romantically i'm like there there's the the scene together where she encounters him on the stairs at school yes they're great they, they, they are, work well together yeah they, would, they were as far as i'm concerned the movie like they like like oh yeah like bev and her her fears of, of aging and puberty and all of these things that mm -hmm. are on set yeah you have been and i almost kind of would have rather just seen them yeah. Well, well, when when he grows up in Jerry O'Connell's, <laughs> which is exactly what happens, um, they, they'll have a great time together. Like they, would I'm work sure well they will. Together. Oh yeah. Um, so so here's the thing, and we're gonna talk about Bev for a minute because I really do. It's fucking sorry. I just. Jerry, Jerry, that's exactly what happens to him. He's no, the fat kid, and he grows up to be all hot. He no, he he yeah. nevels. He nevels. Yeah, he long bottoms. Oh, yeah, I love it. No, that's, that's exactly like Richie is Richie, and Richie is the fucking Corey Feldman. Exactly, yeah. Richie is oh, the yeah. fucking Corey Feldman, and and yep. and God Bill damn, totally is. Totally Bill is the Will Wheaton, right? Yeah. Yeah. He's writing the same fucking <laughs> shit over and over again. What is wrong with you, Bachman? And Richie, God and Richie is the Seth Green. <laughs> oh, Richie is the Corey Feldman. No, he's not. Anyway. not Finn Wolfhard gets gets total points yeah. for not being Corey Feldman. He does, but his character is Corey Feldman. Yeah, yeah. he is. God damn it! Those so, glasses were so eighties. They were. They were. Oh my those god! Those glasses screamed the eighties. I. Just they could have only been more eighties if they were either red or tortoiseshell or purple. Billy, Sally Jesse Raphael is that who had the big red glasses? Yes, I remember. I always think of her. Saddest, the saddest thing about the saddest thing about about Finn Wolfhard is that he's destined to grow up to be Harry Anderson. He is. Oh my god. Oh my god. No. No. So I did actually watch. I watched or, the miniseries last night. It was I mean, he Spike. could be Richard Belzer. And I will say, like Harry Anderson was terrible in it, he which was. is too bad. A lot of people were terrible in that. Because I, yeah, beep beep, Richie. Harry <laughs> Anderson was particularly terrible. The truth is that Stephen King does not have a good legacy of miniseries. No, he doesn't. Behind. He doesn't have a good well, legacy of movies was either. Was the same was fine for what it was. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, they're TV miniseries. As so. much as I enjoy The Stand, mm -hmm. I think it is one of his least inspiring works. Like, oh, yeah. It's one of his just most trudging kind of... Yes, it's a battle of good and evil. Yes, thank you for your tropes. Like right. it was like him getting out all of these unnecessary tropes that were just I actually that leave his writing for several years. They come back. Yeah, I actually but, preferred Swan Song by Robert McCammon, which is basically the stand with magic. I I actually prefer the short story that becomes the stand. Yeah, like that's in Night Shift. I mean, there's 
he does on the whole i like stephen king's shorts way better than his. i love oh, yeah. shorts. I because he can write an ending to his misery shorts. misery notwithstanding because misery was fantastic yeah but i mean other than that like i want his shorts are the things that i like so, I, did you did you read full dark no stars not yet. those are four of his best most recent shorts okay like everything's eventual is a good collection um before after sunset before sunrise whatever whichever one that one that collection that's a movie with ethan hawk yeah those are those are movies with Ethan. i think it's after sunset oh but he wrote a book that's similar to those he oh they do that um but that those stories are okay there's a really bad one about this girl getting ready for graduation that goes on for too long and spoilers in the end it's just a nuclear bomb (laughs) <laughs> like she looks out the window and she sees the mushroom cloud and then she's just dead and it's like it, so that that collection is not his best everything's eventual and then full dark no stars i just they've made they've almost um what is it they forepassed midnighted full dark no stars already there's yeah. already been two movies of the four stories that's been right. made right. and they're never going to make the first one with all the rats because that'll just become a weird version of willard I mean, Willard I already Willard. was a weird version of Willard. Well, it depends on which one you're wa- which one you're watching. The, Are you watching the, the original with... or the new one? Uh, I've, the I'm... new one with the guy from Nightmare on Elm Street Four. Crispin I mean, Glover, Friday the Thirteenth Four. Yeah, Crispin yeah. Glover Chris... and uh, Arlie Ermey, and which, yeah. by the way, is I actually great. Re- I love the new Willard. I do. But anyway, getting PG-13 back Thirteen Horror that it. works. It does. It really does. So getting back to to it, let's talk about Beverly for a minute. Yeah, because. There are some things that they changed about her that I did not care for at all. Uh, first off, when you're talking about agency in terms of the teen romance, yes, she had plenty of agency on her own. Uh, when it came to her situation at home, they gave her plenty of agency. And then in a snap, they took it away. They made her the damsel in distress. They took it all away. Oh, they gonna, ruined everything. I'm going to take it one step further because I don't even think they gave her a lot of agency in her home life. Because well, because she was an abuse victim. She she basically she existed for the same purpose that girls always seem to exist for in these stories. She was a damsel in distress the whole time. She was because you know daddy is. It's heavily implied that daddy's daddy is raping her. Yeah, um, molesting her, whatever. Right. Um, it is also. Um, <laughs> That we should not. Find we should not be talking about that. Talking about it in that tone of voice because um, it is a serious thing. Well, no, because no, no. It's, I was no, I was putting it that way because the reason. Let me explain okay. that because I think um, the biggest mistake that they made was that they tried to insinuate that it was happening rather than. Rather than just being blatant about it. Right, because if I think if the, the worst thing that you can possibly do when you're dealing with something like a really serious sexual abuse. This is a fun podcast, kids. Yeah. Um, is to like, <laughs> is we should, to. We should just cut in the Jeepers Creepers rant that we. Well, we fin- to finish your thought. Is no. to refer to it euphemistically or to just kind of try to to carpet around it. Well, here's the and thing. I, I wish they would have tackled that a little more head on. You're absolutely right. However, that's exactly how it happened in the book. You're never sure right. if he's touched her. You're never sure. Right. The other thing that's the other thing I find problematic about it is that it does again plays into that very retrograde trope that women in horror, women in movies, action movies exist. At, the worst thing that can happen to a woman is that they can be sexually violated, and it's like they're there to be but, sexually violated and or protected from the sexual but violation. On the, but on the and other it plays hand, into the damsel in distress uh, thing. You're right, but on the other hand, with Beverly, not only do we have the fact that. It's assumed she's being sexually molested. Uh, it's assumed 
that, you know, her home life is not, well, we know her home life's not great. None of their home lives are great because all of these parents are shit. I mean, really, yeah, uh, it, it is really, really just a story about are. terrible parents. It is a story like, about We don't need parenting. the spoopy clown, man. We can just right. have the shitty parents. <laughs> but um, you, you've got that. But also you've got the side piece where all the kids in school and the, the entire town is talking about how Beverly is a slut. They're slut shaming this 11 year old. And she's already got enough problems at home. So part of that is her dad saying, have you been hanging around with other boys? Because you're mine. And that's a problem. It's played well. It's done well in the movie. It makes you uncomfortable and it's supposed to, but it's just not a pleasant thing to have to deal with. I thought it was actually one of the things that made her character so interesting. Oh yeah. And I wanted to spend more time with her dealing with that. I think what they did with like her, her bathroom scene Mm-hmm. Um, the the way the blood out of the came out yeah. of the sink. Yep, that plays into so much of what was going on. I like that they kind of. Well, that was that was foreshadowed by like the tampax. Yeah, which she had, she didn't know how to pick which one. It was and, absolutely mm-hmm. a part of it because that's that's what she is clearly afraid of. She yeah. is clearly afraid of growing into her own sexual agency because her dad has you know co-opted it clearly been using it against her Mm -hmm. everybody else in town is using it against her Mm -hmm. and at the same time she has normal teen angst on top of all of that shit so so the fact that like her greatest fear that pennywise is 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 um feeding on bill yes (laughs) sorry i I get that um i stuttered bill's name (laughs) your brain working it's an easy way to 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 keep myself from stuttering see and i um so like I thought, I thought it played into that really, really interestingly. And again, that could have been its own movie and yeah. it would have been astonishing. And, and, and I love the character of Beverly and I love the actress playing her. She was the best part of this movie. She really was. Oh, Bill Skarsgård is the best part of this well, movie. Well, yeah. I he is, out of the there. kids, she's the best part He's of this movie. He's the best part of this movie. I, but with her, I, I don't get the impression that she had yet been molested. My impression from was that her dad was waiting for her to start her period, was waiting for her to mature. And once oh. she matured, she knew what was going once to happen. Once there's grass on the lawn, that yeah. sort of thing. And I, that's, oh, that gross. Is, and, and to me, actually, I like that because it's less of the, um, it's less of like, you know, skeezy, this is happening mm-hmm. and she can't do it. And more of like, that's why she's so scared about the Tampax. And she didn't go to her dad to ask which ones to buy or mm-hmm. to get help. She actually, she actively hides them from him. He does. Yeah. yeah. And when he sees them, that's when he kind of gets excited. And when she cuts her hair and he's, yeah. you know, a little You look bitter. like a boy. Yeah. And I think, but the, the thing I will say is at the end, when Pennywise pulls out the face of her dad, mm-hmm. I wanted to be like, fuck you movie. Right. Completely unnecessary. Yep. We, you were, you're pretending that all of this dad setup stuff was just to do this one fear at the end. Mm-hmm. Like it was just to create that moment when she can get over her fears and face her father. And it was just right. Useless. Right. I will say that like playing, just going off of what you were saying, like whether he actually did yeah. sexually uh, abuse her or not, it almost is irrelevant it is it, to, yeah. to the to the to the theme there, which is either way he's co-opting her her he is, sexuality. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So just, I'm 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 there with you. Like I, yeah, it's it's a good read. And I thought she was fantastic at it. She had the right amount of like, I am utterly terrified, and I'm not going to 
run from you. Right. I'm not going to let you chase me. Exactly. You know, it's kind of like she she did a great job. I actually think all of the kids um, did a fantastic job, mm. except for the Stan. Is that the Jewish one? Stan's the Jewish one. I felt like they just wrote him out of the script. Well, here's the, the thing. Is, I think the problem is they they basically wrote him out of the script because. As an adult, and here's where more spoilers come in. When we uh, when we go into the second movie, he's the first to die. He okay. kills himself yeah. in the tub, which is so kind of ass backwards. Because again, theoretically speaking, as the guy who didn't know that going into this movie, I think it would have more uh, much greater impact if if he had been more of a a fleshed out character. character. Because my only impression of Stan from this movie is that he's just this really cowardly little shit who wants yeah. to stay outside well, and not do anything. They kind of fleshed him out in the book, but. Still not to the degree of Bill, of Ben, of Cat. Sorry. Podcat. <laughs> Podcat. Podcat. Yay. But, um, um, there were some but of the kids who didn't get anything to do. And Stan was definitely a kid didn't get anything Richie, to do. See, Richie should have been much more so prominent. Which were, so help Richie me with these. I don't know them by their names. Okay. Richie was Finn Wolfhart. I don't know by them by their real names either. Uh, Richie had the Rich, glasses. He was trash glass. mouth. Okay. The, the, so the potty he, mouth. See, I liked him. He did not. He was equally not fleshed out. He yeah. had nothing to do way. except be the Corey Feldman. Yeah. But I got the exact understanding of him. Like, oh, yeah. I had that friend. I know him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I didn't need another second of him on screen. Right. But, like, the Stan. The, Stan. The Jewish one. Stan is the Jewish kid. And he, the kid was not very charismatic. Right. So the very little he spoke, because he spoke the least of yeah. any of them, mm-hmm. and the very little he was on stage, I was just kind of like, you you were written out. Like, right. they could have cut you yeah. and given your part to Mike, or they yeah. could have given your part to Ben. Like, they could have just the thing. shortened Mike, Mike one didn't person. get anything to do either. Mike didn't. And Mike, which is, Mike got to. Which made me sad. Because it is a little whitewashy because he's such a major fucking character. Right. And yeah. he, he's a major character in the book. And, and the biggest thing with him is that discussion of racism. Because as uh, you know, when he's it. talking. Well, they were, I think they were so afraid in this movie to be overtly racist. Yeah. Because they are very clearly beating him because, he because is he's black, black. Yeah. Yep. but they are doing everything in their power to not speak a racial slur if their life depended yep. on it here's why i think i have a theory okay um and again it goes to what is ultimately my biggest problem with the movie which is that it is a very nostalgic movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and all stephen king all stephen king properties are they are rooted in nostalgia and i think there was no room in this movie because it is a nostalgic, it's a nostalgic property. Um, there's no room to really show that racism because that would feel a little terrible. And but here's ultimately, the thing this with is horror. a movie that wants you to feel comfortable. Here's the thing with horror. I want to be uncomfortable. I agree. And that's yeah. why I, I don't and think they, this is a horror film. Well, they yeah. didn't pull back on the like overt um, masochism and the, the gay jokes and that kind of... Right. Which... I wouldn't have expected to. Whether you're in the 80s or you're in the 50s, that was happening. That was a thing. And it was just really weird to like, I almost feel like, and none of us are overtly people of color. Um, I have, you know, a good amount of Portuguese in me, but I can look white without any effort. Right. Um, And I just feel like if I was a person of color watching this movie, when they're like dancing around being racist, like... 
you people should get out of here while they're like trying to kill him. Yeah. And yeah. I want to be like, that's that feels so fake. And, well, they did they did dig in at the end just before Bowers is killed. Um, which I'm gonna talk about in a second because I didn't care for it. Um Isn't doesn't he come back in the Well in 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 the second movie, Bowers should be back, but I think they're trying to maybe cut out some of the plot threads. Okay. So, but because in the book, he's the one that he's Pennywise, one of the he's major in the asylum, isn't he? Yeah, he's the one in the asylum that Pennywise brings back to torment the adults. Yeah. So, um, along with like the ghosts of Belch Huggins, yeah, and yeah. who's the big kid? Who, the kid playing Belch Huggins is gonna grow up to be hot. Just oh, saying. oh, is he? Yeah. Oh, he's one? the big one. Oh. Yes. Who's the? I thought who's, that. Who's the discount Draco Malfoy that just kept hanging around the whole fucking time? Oh God, I don't know. I don't care. Oh, bleach hair. Yeah. yeah. He had the same hair as. Um, the guy who played Light in God Death Note. Damn it! Um, <laughs> listen to one of our future podcasts on Death Note. Um, I but I this podcast brought to you by Twilight. Fuck you, Stephanie Meyer. Integer X in a row. Um, <laughs> yeah, I I just I think that was shitty of them. I think yeah. it was like we don't want to say any racial slurs, but. We're still going to very overtly have someone yeah. beat up on someone who is raped. And, and very overtly same... say, you know, I wish I'd set that fire. And it's yeah. the same thing, but it's the same thing with, with Bev's character where they are, again, they're very overtly making it clear that there is an abusive thing, an abusive but, dynamic yeah. going on with her father, but, but they not, tiptoe around it. They so, do tiptoe yeah. around it, but they don't verbally tiptoe around it. And, no one yeah. looks at her and goes, oh, is your dad... Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, you know, like, show, yeah. Well, but but you know, one of the things in the book is show me on the clown. One of the things in the book is that first off, her mother is still alive. In the book, there were no mothers except for the one horrible mother. Oh, because Miss Casbrack, mother, Miss Miss fucking Munchausen by proxy, nineteen eighty nine. Oh, oh my god. Okay, they they took out a lot with Sonia Casbrack, who's Eddie Casbrack's mom. Eddie is the kid with the inhaler. By the way, the what bit. pharmacist seriously gives you a bunch of sugar pills that you got to pay for and come get every week? Mm, that's whatever the doctor She's prescribes. Yet another, shitty, pharmacist. yet another shitty adult. Mom every is, adult in I know, this movie every is adult, shitty. And that's Nobody important. has a moral sense. That is fucking, supposed to happen. Movie. That is the way it's supposed to happen Pennywise. because Pennywise. the adults don't see what the ki- what's happening to the kids. They just know that the kids are going missing. They don't care what happens to the kids. They don't take a direct involvement in the kids' lives. They just see, oh no, my kid's missing. And then just shut off from everything else. That's it. The only parents that you see actually caring are Bill's parents. And even then, they don't show you what happened to the mother. No, they just Bill's show parents, that, they just show that dad care. is angry. And Bill's parents dead. are like totally distant. They're yeah. basically like, stand by me, dad. Exactly. Yes. Because they, uh, yet another More king references. trope. Jesus. Um, yeah, he is, uh, King must have had a really terrible relationship with his father because, must have. again, another just, that is a shitty thing to say to your other child. Right. Like, <laughs> it's really that, is, that was like a shitty scene of just like, I, I do love that poor hamster. He had the best oh, cameo. Yeah, he did. That poor hamster. I guess you get your your tubes back, and the hamster's just like, Wah. <laughs> <laughs> he's just he's so excited. He's like, yay! <laughs> but no, I think what you're again, what you're talking about is that this weird nostalgic portrayal. And I think if they kept it set in the '50s, it might have made a little more sense because yeah. there's that sort of Norman Rockwell, Stephen King thing. Yeah, I lived through the '80s and. We all, and most of us did, I'm sure. Yeah, we did. So, but that's not what... Yeah, I lived through both of those years I was alive. 
There you go. But there that's go. that's not <laughs> that's that doesn't speak to that that level of nostalgia does not speak to what my experience of the eighties was like even as a kid. Right. And it well, certainly I doesn't was, speak to I was that. actually in, you know, suburban Maine oh. in the eighties. Okay. So it speaks to me a lot. Actually. Fair but but this like I think that's the fact that the movie just never goes there. It doesn't go it is very safe actually you know it's when the very orgy sanitized happened? that was the point the orgy happened at the I, lake when they were all in their underwear because you know it is completely unbelievable that she took off her clothes and none of those boys popped a woody well maybe yeah no no because infants can pop a woody oh gross i, I do not that. want to know oh how you know God. that no infants it's just masturbate to calm themselves biological things doctors say it all the time yeah but anyway it's still gross to think about stop thinking about it actually i, I just i had to be told not to do that in like third grade no, yeah, infants. So I guess I never really stopped. Seriously, yeah. babies in the crib like will masturbate to calm themselves down. Well, it fucking feels good. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Duh. no, I just that was weird to me. Like, it's one thing. Oh yeah, all the guys are in their underwear, and then she comes out, and I just want to be like, come on. Yeah. Some they were all moderately attracted to her. Someone. Yeah. Someone oh. got excited. Oh, one more thing about Beth. Oh god, hard as a post, looking at the ghost. God damn it, guys, <laughs> think about baseball. Think about baseball. <laughs> <laughs> you know, D- just think about don't yeah. think about the post don't think about the post <laughs> yeah yeah um so going back to bev real quick for a second one of the things that i did not like that they took away from her um and of course this is probably because they didn't want to have to deal with the silver bullet her, her thing. smoking addiction no actually because that was part of the book and they all smoked in the book well of course they did it was except the, for it was eddie except for eddie two puffs a day keeps the doctor away it does. i know <laughs> So, but I, worked I, in the void. The kids smoking. I was. I smoked as a teenager. It did keep the doctor away. It void. did. Again, but, future podcast. Listen. <laughs> yeah. But they they took away the slingshot with the silver. They took away the giant spider. Yeah. They did take that. Made me happy because that was just stupid. That was just dumb. That was king. That's that's <laughs> what he does. But Beverly Watchman giant it, squid of this in movie. in her agency in the book. They made her basically the strongest character, um, yeah. because yeah, in in terms of the kids, she was the one that had she was the best shot. She used her sentient hole. She did. <laughs> uh, she did. She did. But you know, she was the heart of the group. They they had this whole thing where it's like, oh, it's it can be a werewolf. We can kill it with silver bullets. So they actually take a knight, make silver bullets in the garage out of some fifty cent pieces. And try and use them to kill Pennywise I with think, a slingshot. I think they didn't do that because in the 80s, where were they going to get silver? I know, right? For cheap. Like. Right. Okay, so I, there's also sort of an elephant in the room that I would like to address with that, that this is basically like that one scene from Harry Potter 3 with like the wardrobe and the boggart, the movie. Yeah. Like all they had oh. to do was just be like, ridiculous, and then yeah. <laughs> and, and like no more spoopy clown. But, uh, but I, I don't like the fact that they, they took that piece from her and then made her damsel in distress, like super bad compared to the book. Um, because she did have that power. She did have that piece. She was important. She wasn't just bait. Now she is just Well, she piece. kind of hit yeah. him last she did. before he went into the well. So this is the moment we should talk about Bill Skarsgård. Mm. And Pennywise, who's fucking delightful. I'm so glad. I, so he was glad. A fantastic casting. Choice. He was fine. I thought he was fine. I guess the choice of what they did for his costume kind of Just, you the kind like, of Victorian-y. I didn't like. I liked the that. big rough. I didn't. I didn't dig it. Oh, and I, I don't that. feel like they gave him a whole lot to do either. They 
they didn't, and they left a lot to special effects. When you watch and the movie, watch his eyes because yeah. they watch his ooh. eyes and watch his expressions and the way he used his voice. The man drooled through half the movie, and that actually made me happy. I well, and I loved when you watch like Tim Curry's it mm-hmm. in the miniseries, and how I remember what parts of the book that I, I got to listen to slash read. Um, it doesn't feel like it makes mistakes, right? Like, Tim Curry always felt completely in control, and Bill Skarsgård's version was much more like, it was only, like, moderately paying attention or trying. Like, that moment at the beginning where he, like, totally just, you know, zones out thinking about eating Uh Georgie. Oh, the eyes roll back in his head. Perfect. Like, that was, to me, that was amazing. That was exactly the moment I liked with it where I'm like, oh... You're so evil. Mm-hmm. You're beyond caring. Like right. you're only putting in the base level of effort into this. Where, where well, in he's the book putting, he's putting salt in his soup. Right. Where, where in in the miniseries and in the book, uh, Pennywise. First off, let's talk about the costuming because I, I I appreciate what they did with the Victorian clown sort of thing because that makes him seem more ageless, more timeless, yeah. more I've been here for centuries. Which he has. I mean, they had him in woodcuts in the library books. So I appreciated that, first off. But second, as compared to the book and as compared to Tim Curry, where it was more like, I'm an evil clown. Bill Skarsgård relished the fact that he was a monster. Yeah. He didn't care about being a clown. I'm a monster. I feed on your fear. And that was delicious. And, And that alongside his creepy fucking child molester voice. Like I expected to see a windowless white van around the corner. Um, uh, that along his facial he features. Candy. He does. Oh, yay. Candy, 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 candy. And I fire oh. it from a butt candy, Georgie. <laughs> <laughs> but now uh, Bill Skarsgård was. <laughs> really? Did we, did we need the squeak? Sure. Why not? Okay. Whatever. I was, uh, I can't do it. <laughs> My lips were too my lips okay, were too so, dry. But no, he was cannon butt. <laughs> so like I get it, and I think uh, to what degree that, that Bill Skarsgård was visible on screen, he was fine. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like how they used him just because there was so much CGI um, surrounding the character, and the way that they used him was very jump scary. It was very. It, that Stop me if you've heard this one. Also a child place. separates from the group and goes walking. You can't see it, but I'm walking with my fingers on the table. Walking down a hallway really slowly, and there's this orchestra somewhere in the building going. And then all of a sudden, and the it- orchestra goes bam, and there's this whip pan, and boom, and then there's Pennywise, and he jumps at the camera, and this happens mm-hmm. like six times. It does. This was a very visual gag, listeners. It was. He played the instruments. He moved for the camera. Everything was accompanied by an arm gesture. See it in your head. Re-listen. Yes. <laughs> so anyway, my a penis, lot of that was intentional, style. though. The, the whole deal, not only are we playing on a lot of the tropes that occurred in 80s movies, because that's where they started, like with the Goonies and with, It you makes know, me wonder what the next movie is going to feel like. Are they yeah. going to keep that feel? Or are they going to try to do something modern? I'm hoping that Machete brings it a little more modern in, in I terms feel like, of the tropes. I feel like you... Like if you, when I think about the miniseries, yeah, Tim Curry interacted with the kids, but 
but it was more of a taunting come here. Right. And he, but he really interacted with the adults. Yes. He called out their fears and really talked to them. Well, and when they talk about that in the book, uh, the fact that he deals more with the adults rather than giving us the, oh, you're a child. I can scare you super easy. Um, with the adults, he had to work for it. Yeah. He really did because he knew that those kids grew up to be something that can hurt him, that can kill him. Yeah. And he's this ageless being who's like, no, I don't need to die. Thanks. I'm just going to eat and go to sleep for 27 years. Thanks. Um, We've all been there. We've all been there. I know. Ugh, oh time God. for a long weekend. Good like, trip to the buffet. <laughs> Golden Crowd special. We got coupons. Just park me <laughs> underneath the chocolate fountain. Come back for me in six hours. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it, and, and that's, I'm really hoping that I'm when really you're hoping in the chocolate that... fountain. You'll float too. <laughs> <laughs> you'll float too. <laughs> we all float in the chocolate fountain. <laughs> but anyway. So, like I said, it, you know, when we're dealing with the adult portion, I, I'm hoping that it's handled much more maturely uh, because I know that they're going to he's going to try and bring in those childhood fears because that's how he knows them. That's how it remembers those kids in the book. But it also knows that there are different things to be afraid of now. I, I'm not going to lie. This is not what's going to happen. Yeah. I But I want the part two to be this like Saw-esque Mm. Um, maze of your own fears like Pennywise is going to fucking torture these people like badly in, like, shot and badly acting ways. <laughs> that's kind of how it happens when they're going through the sewers as adults to kill it oh god certainly that's I how just, it was I just miniseries. want it to be like so much gorier and psychological and I mm. want it to be it doesn't just have to be Saw I mean it could be any number of it could be very raw-esque. Unfortunately, be very psychological yeah. it's lesbian. You're absolutely right in that this is not going to happen because yeah, this no. this is this is Warner Brothers and so it could be like the con. Oh. So if so, first off, uh, it part two is going to be two separate movies. Probably, won't. you know they'll do it. it. You know they'll fucking do it. It's it, Warner Brothers. But it is already two separate movies. They're not going to make part two two movies. What did they do to Harry Potter seven? Oh yeah, they split it into two fucking movies. Yes, but that was one book. It is still one book. Yes. Yeah. They split The Hobbit into three movies. Let's not talk about that travesty. Three shitty movies. I saw the first one. I almost walked out. I did not drive, so I could not walk out. I saw the I saw the first one for free. Uh, actually, one of my friends put on a like rented a theater so we could have a viewing party. No. I stayed. I was no. polite and had I was fun with my friends. So mean. No, no, I just blocked I have, it from memory. I have seen more of the Atlas Shrugged movies than I have the Hobbit movies, <sighs> and they're funnier. They're well, way funnier. Because Ayn Rand is fucking hilarious. It really is. She is. She'd love Pennywise. She should have done stand-up comedy. But but again, let, let you know, talking about Skarsgard and his portrayal, uh, like I said, the mm. fact that he just dove in and said, I'm not gonna be a fucking clown, I'm gonna be a fucking monster. That's what is going to make these kids and afraid of me. The thing is, he he did what Tim Curry did, and the fact that years from now you will watch this and you will not go. You right. people will go. Oh, that's Bill Skarsgård. Just like mm-hmm. they go, that's Tim Curry, right? Like, well, well because know. before then, all people knew about Tim Curry was Rocky Horror. No, well, or Clue. Clue, Legend, Legend. Yeah, true. Legend. Fucking Legend. So he'd done it already. I don't feel yeah. like Legend was. Legend oh, is not no. nearly as memorable. But as it's, not, it's, it's not. It's not now. But at the time, Legend was like the biggest thing he had done. Well, yeah. because Rocky yeah. Horror was still a cult film. Nobody was paying attention to Rocky Horror except the people who were into it. Right. Um. Well, and maybe that's because I've just always been a nerd. That was the only thing I recognized oh, no, Tim no, Curry I from get it. before. Yeah. I my first my first curry was Clue. 
I didn't yeah. even Amen. I didn't even know Rocky Horror until later. <laughs> but Legend was like he was like it's it's impossible. Like people actually, really... my first Curry was the worst witch. Anyway, <laughs> anything can oh happen on Halloween. <laughs> Has anybody seen oh my, my tambourine? No, my first curry was Fern Gully. <gasps> Ooh. Ooh. I love Fern Gully. Fern Gully but... is amazing, but damn. No, but Legend was this like critical, I think it was even a commercial success. And yeah. like everybody was. Well, it was keeping... Tom Cruise. That's why it was. But commercial. nobody was praising Tom Cruise. No, they weren't. Everybody was praising Tim fucking Cruise. Oh, of course, because he played career. the. He I, I, he wasn't even called the devil. He was just called evil in that, wasn't right. he? Right. Yeah. Just. So, so he again, oozed now nobody remembers screen. Legend. Tim nobody Curry cares. went down to Georgia looking for a stole. <laughs> <laughs> he did, couldn't travel far. Mountain. Those horns run, were heavy. Boys, run. <laughs> Those Actually, no, because if, if that were the case, it would have been I Do the Rock, and it would have been a much better song. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. But no, so, but you're right. It, it, what Bill Skarsgård has done has cemented him a place in horror cinema. Yeah, whatever the second movie is going to be, good, bad, or indifferent, yeah. it all falls apart. He still has this first one. Right. <laughs> as, with, as with everybody else who, who turns in, pretty much everybody involved turns in a really good performance. I wish they had a better movie to do it in. I just it, it, and I will say that there are there are things that I don't care for about this movie quite quite a few as a matter of fact actually like you know, the time compression I it, I mean you could have given us a two and a half hour movie and given us more in terms of building the camaraderie between I, these kids which I didn't get I almost wish we could have had them be friends from the beginning and this movie could have been thirty minutes shorter. Well, part of part of the deal with it is that they don't know each other and they have to come together to be this chosen band and of that actually children. felt relatively organic because that is how kind of groups of kids come together yeah at least that's how it well, was for me it's i liked this movie a lot yeah. and and i think i i think there are of course faults and i think a fault of it is as originally conceived it is um a dual story it is a story told both in the present and in the past right and stephen king wrote it so much that way and revealed details so much that way that whenever we try to deconstruct it, yep. you get this issue where you're like, yeah, we have to spend so much time building their relationship from right. the ground up. Whereas mm -hmm. if we were reading the book, you get to see them meet and you get to see them be old friends at the yeah, same time. You do. So there is a shortcut already written. You're like, I can accept every little jump Stephen King makes because yeah. I know in the future they're going to be good enough friends that this one guy's going to call and they're all going to show up. And I, right. think, I think that would have actually made for a more interesting movie too. If they would have, if they would have intercut the grown-up scenes like that, it would have been, but again, they can't do that because this isn't a horror movie. This is a studio tentpole movie. That is doing what horror movies did 30 years ago. It's still a horror movie. It it's is still not. a tentpole. It's really not. It's, in my opinion, it's not. It's it is it is it's entirely too safe. It is too comfy. It is like a cup of warm cocoa before bed. There's nothing really in there in the movie to scare me. Well, I mean, and that's fine. There there were things in this movie that spooked me. And, and yeah. that's hard to say because not a lot spooks me. And I'm a really hard I'm a hard sell. I was always gonna be a hard sell because like the spooky clown thing has never worked on me. Except yeah. for Poltergeist. It's never worked on me. And I was I, like eight. Yeah. I've never had any clown anything. Like, clowns give me nothing anxiety-wise. Yeah. Looking at, looking at, uh, at Skarsgård in the clown suit by itself, nothing. Nothing. The thing that got me was, like, 
some of the teeth moments and some of the oh, like Georgie's arm. We're just mostly like Georgie's I was arm too busy was looking delicious. at CGI that I felt could See, have been better I, executed. It did not look particularly good to me. And I get the impression I've seen that Andy, sort of thing done with practical effects recently that yeah. look really visceral and incredible. I get the impression that you are a on the the decided side of practical, always practical. Not always. Not always. Um, you can have CGI, but it's got. To, it's got to be flawless. It's got to. It's got to be completely well, unclassable. So there, I think it needs to look a certain way, and I feel like the the okay. The problem that I have with the CGI in this movie, um, the teeth scene with Georgie, it's that he opens his mouth, and all of a sudden, like his gums kind of bulge out in this weird way that things just don't really seem to do. And there's all these extra teeth, and then, yeah, it looks cool, but it doesn't really ring true. Well, well, here's the thing: it's eye. not going to ring true to your eye because the whole point of Pennywise is, is that he's this Lovecraftian eldritch horror. Yeah, right. it's not supposed to. But be But again, real. again, That's what I'm I like. I'm watching this movie, and it's just like it it doesn't it doesn't read that way to me. Like the viewer, the first time viewer, it just read like. They just really wanted a whole lot of teeth. Well, here it is. And, well, and it, I think they a did that. Times when Pennywise's mouth turns into the great big vagina dentata at one yeah. point. <laughs> that was great. The problem was I wasn't scared by that. I was actually sitting in the theater humming vagina dentata. <laughs> and getting really dirty looks. You are going there. to get us sued by Disney. Quit it. But the other thing. No, that, we've changed it enough. The other, thing about the, uh, the other thing about the CGI is the balloons. Why were the balloons CGI? And more importantly, why were the balloons designed and animated by people who have apparently never seen what a balloon looks like in real life. But I think that's on purpose. They're supposed to be eerily they are. not doing what balloons do. But they exactly. Didn't, they didn't read yeah. that way to me. They read as, wow, this is some cheap shit. I, I, I did see the balloons, particularly in the sewer, as as almost looking like bad green screen. See, I think they they were, because like, okay, my, 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 my favorite example of this is, uh, it's the scene when, what's the... Fox uh, Center? No. Um, uh, 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 greaser kid with the mullet. Oh, um, Bowers. Henry Bowers, Bowers. Thank you. When Bowers gets the switchblade knife in the mailbox, mm -hmm. there's a balloon tied to the mailbox. It is a blustery day outside. The trees are waving. There's wind. Mm -hmm. It's and and it's not tempestuous. It's not like um, not making hurricane jokes. It's not like that. But um, but the balloon is pointing straight up and the little extra piece of string that's tied around the knob, the, the piece of the balloon is hanging straight down. That's the, the wind point. is not affecting it. That's the yeah, point. That was on purpose. It looks cheap and shitty. So it's, so if, if that's the case, if it's, if it's supposed to look otherworldly and eerie like that, then that represents a failure in my opinion, because it just looked like, it didn't look like an eerie otherworldly balloon. It looked like cheap, shitty CGI. Well, and, and like I said, I mean, I, I get where you're coming with that. Uh, coming from with that, but I under, I also understand that he mentions this a lot in the book. Those balloons don't move. That's but you. The, the balloons stay still even in the strongest wind because they're a representative of this eldritch horror right. that is eating the town. Problem with that is again, and I'm the guy with no who had no background in this. I'm just watching the movie. It doesn't read that way. Yeah. So I think it's a it's. They it's a failure have, on the special effects department. I think it's, sure. it's perhaps a failure of imagination because they, they have, they've played so many things in such a heightened way just to get the idea across, like with the deadlights and everybody floating the way yeah. that they're floating. There are, there are so many little examples of where they kind of heightened reality. That was a failure, in my opinion, that they didn't, they didn't make it clear that that was something special that was happening. It just looked like bad CGI. Right. And, and and like I said, and the scene with Hawkstetter, the scene with Hawkstetter in the sewer, 
uh, really the only place I noticed it was the balloons with, with the balloons behaving the way they did. They did not, they, they very definitely read as CGI. They, and I get why you'd be upset about that. It doesn't bother me as much, but it does kind of break that imagination. It's more that I was, I was disengaged from the movie a lot. It was not a, um, I think this is about engagement more than the quality of the effects. Because what one of the things that I do well is when I watch a movie, I can accept whatever they're selling me, unless it is just so terrible that they're not selling it anymore. Right. They're just like they're just muddling through, and so the I I can kind of see in the library. I thought the balloon in the library looked out of place mm-hmm. a little bit, but I I went with it, and I was bought into that these balloons were so not a part of the world that it made sense. And mm-hmm. CGI, and this is a this is a uh, generational thing, and it's very common. You hear it a lot, especially with podcasts, where like people of a certain generation or who are enjoy a certain kind of movie, mm-hmm. they have this thing where CGI is only good if it's perfect. Whereas the opposite is people who are like practicals are only good if they're perfect. They don't. You generally can't give. On both sides, yeah. You, you want yeah. you can give CGI all of its mistakes, or you can give practical all of its mistakes. And, and here's where we realize that Alex is half our age. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You, you neither of you are sixty. True. <laughs> but so, like, and I'm not even that bad on CGI. There are movies that do CGI well. Yeah. But you, you're making my point. No, because perfect and perfect and well are not the same thing. True, perfect and well are not the same thing. However, um, like I said, like in the scenes with with Patrick Hoxeter in the sewer, that did really look like bad green screen. It was not well done. Um, and and, then, and in a movie that I was already kind of not all the way into, um, like that, I, that shouldn't be something that I'm noticing. And that's it's not that, and it's not just. It's I think they ins- they inserted CGI set pieces into this movie where they perhaps did not need to be in ways that they did not need to be again, because this is Warner brothers bankrolling a $40 million movie. And that's expected. Speaking of millions, uh, just so everyone is clear, I did see an article this morning that it has the largest opening of a horror movie in history with 117, 117 million. So go horror fans. And they haven't even finished the weekend yet. They haven't. So, so it will be more, um, once we get into Monday's numbers. Yeah. So, and that makes me happy. You know, remember that they only make more horror if we spend money on horror. Keep it going. Yeah. But, but all right. in all, uh, I really thought this was a great adaptation, a great update, a great um, means of bringing this to a new audience. I, I thought it was well done, uh, even with its mistakes, even with the nostalgia that I felt about the book and the miniseries. I think that the changes that were made between those pieces of media and this were smart. They were, for the most part, well done. They were they were great toward bringing half of something so huge and sweeping that basically covered the course of an entire summer they were they condensed it into something digestible and i thought it was really well done uh it was it perfect no was it um was it the best thing ever uh no but was it really enjoyable to me absolutely i'm I'm gonna give it 4.5 sewer balloons 
out of five. And I, I mean, I think I think it was fantastic. I'm already gonna go see it again um, with my partners on cheap movie day Tuesday, um, and yeah, and I, I, I'm all on board. I, I think I actually saw the least faults in it of the three of us um, because I just went with it and I just wanted it and I enjoyed it. And the more I watch it, the more faults I'll find as I do with everything. But I, I'm, I'm all for it, and I. I'm going to give it, I'm going to go ahead and give it um, five out of five mouth vaginas. <laughs> Shit, now I need to think of something else. <laughs> God damn it. What about the deadlights? <laughs> that only works if I, if I give it one out of five, because then it'd be like, one deadlight. <laughs> three out of five. There were three lights in there. There were three. <laughs> Actually, that, those were just like the clitoral piercing. Exactly. Of- God, no. God no! Oh, oh, oh. Um, um. So, like, I didn't hate. I didn't hate it. I didn't particularly like it all that much. It didn't do much to me or for me. It was just, it's good. It's a good product. I. It didn't. It didn't really land with me. So I guess I'll give it two out of five off-screen hand jobs. <laughs> off-screen. <laughs> it wasn't worth two out of five off-screen orgies. Only two out of five off-screen hand jobs. Well, you know, <laughs> I'm I'm a giver. Oh God! So, <laughs> all right. Before we go, kids, um, just so you know, uh, we're taking a mild break just because next week I will be off the grid. This episode will still be up on Wednesday as planned. Uh, but and we'll, if we'll they still can have... actually hear this episode. Exactly. They will know that it's up already. Right. Are we they taking will. a mild break? Or we're not. Well, no, we're not. Continually releasing. Podcasts. You're right. We are continually releasing podcasts, but I will be so off the grid. They won't know the difference. They won't know the difference. We'll I'm going camping for the first time in fucking years. Someone's going to die. It's probably not going to be me. <laughs> Bob is obviously going to be the killer. He really yes, is. It, because uh, next week. Um, by the, by the time this is out, it will have already happened. We'll be dealing with the rain from Hurricane Irma. Yeah. But anyway, so if I don't survive, I hope the guys will continue with the podcast. Yeah. We'll still come over to your house and we'll record <laughs> without you. We'll light a candle for Bob every time. Grown up us will continue the podcast. <laughs> 27 years from now, like everybody will get a call. <laughs> He's come, back. Come back. We have to podcast. <laughs> And then, like, like somebody, like Alex, will be found dead in the bathtub with his wrist slit and CCRB written on the wall in his own blood. Oh my lord! Yay! My well, legacy continues. It has to be you. You're the ethnic one. <laughs> I'm sure uh, we can find someone else to guest host who will be ethnicer. Possibly. I, I mean, yeah. So anyway, we're taking applications. The- if you are vaguely ethnic and want to die first. <laughs> Uh, Be fly within. Uh, yeah, hit us up on Twitter. Hit us on <laughs> hit us up on, by email at at Bob at candycodedrazor.com. Uh visit the website at candycodedrazor.com, the Twitter at CandyRazorBob. Um and you guys? Um this is uh you can find me, Alex, on Twitter. I updated it. Yay! It's now um Zanman Horror Fan. So <laughs> X-A-N-M-A-N Horror Fan. Nice. And me, Andy, I am also on Twitter at oh, shut up, Andy. O-H, shut up, Andy. Um, I don't post. <laughs> but you can still find me. And- you know he doesn't tweet because he called it posting. He does. Yeah. 
I don't. No. I don't. I'm. Oh my god, Becky, what are you doing? I'm disengaged from everything. You are. You don't watch anything. You're like Christ. You're like the person we just like kind of deign to sit here. I, I watched I like ten think, movies this week. <laughs> I don't even think you like horror very much. I really watched like ten fucking movies this week. I really did. Yeah, he, and what, he, four of them were Kuso. No, yeah, probably no. I, I only count <laughs> only three. I only count Kuso once. It was Marvels. <laughs> All right. While well, we continue this argument, bye. <laughs> Candy Coated Razorblades podcast is produced by a giant vagina with teeth. It is distributed under Creative Commons 3.0. Attribution, non-commercial, share alike. Theme music is 13 Monsters by the band Lightning Bolt. Visit their website at www.laserbeast.com.